0: Um, As I reflect on how love has transformed me as a disciple, my thoughts turn to a friendship that has had a profound impact on my spiritual journey. In late 2018, I met a 94-year-old lady at my local church's monthly all-age service. And despite our age difference of 74 years, we quickly bonded over our shared love for Jesus. Ruth had been attending the church since 1956 and was unable to get there as often as she liked because her husband had passed away and her granddaughter could only take her once a month. She was disappointed that the vicar hadn't offered to collect her herself, and this made her feel really uncared for. So I was the one that offered to collect her, and every two weeks we started attending church together. Our friendship was unlike any other I'd experienced before. We would chat, share tea and cake, and Ruth gave me a Mars bar and two chocolate limes every time as a thank you. (laughs) We even got to celebrate our birthdays together, mine at 21 and hers at 95 and the following year at 22 and 96. When Ruth passed away in early 2020, it was the first time I'd witnessed a Christian's death. While I was sad that she was no longer with us, I felt a sense of joy because she was now with Jesus, whom she'd loved and trusted for 96 years. It gave me a sense of peace to know that she's more alive now than she ever had been. Her death made me appreciate the love and sacrifice that Jesus has made even more, knowing that only through him, we can spend eternity in heaven. As it says in John 14, if we love Jesus, we will keep his commandments and the Holy Spirit, the spirit of love, will love in us. And I saw that spirit in Ruth. Through Ruth's love for me, her love for Jesus and Jesus' love for me, I experienced God in a new way. This unexpected friendship showed me that love has no boundaries and can transform our lives in remarkable ways. Recently, my husband Josh and I welcomed our daughter into the world and we decided to name her Joy Ruth as a tribute to her. I'm forever grateful for the year and a half of friendship that I had the privilege of experiencing with Ruth. To anyone hearing this, I pray that the love in your friendships will transform you into a more loving disciple and that we will experience afresh the love of God has through us through Jesus' sacrifice. And may we all remember that death is not the end, it's actually just the beginning. Thank you.
1: Thank you so much, Kennedy. Um, what a story! What a story! Um, I've heard bits of that before, and it's always a privilege. Um, do catch Kennedy at the end if you want to have more of that sort of uh, story from from her. But also, every person in this building will have some kind of story of how the Lord led them into a relationship with Him through countless other faithful witnesses. I'm going to invite Mim up to speak to us this morning, um, Mim, Mim is fantastic, um, Mim is not only one half of the worship duo Will and Mim Johnson, <laughs> um, but is also a secondary school teacher and pours herself into kids day in and day out um, through the week teaching the next generation how to live. Um, Yes, at school, in what some people might call a secular environment, but bringing God into that place. And this morning, she is going to share um, with us from the scriptures. I'm holding your microphone, I don't know why. Um, And I'm just going to pray quickly for you before we begin. So Father, would you pour your spirit out on Mim this morning? Holy Spirit, we welcome you here. Would you rest in this place and on Mim now, as she shares your will with us from your word. And pray that you would impact us all right where we need to be hit. In Jesus' name, Amen.
2: Amen. Thank you, Adam. Morning, everyone. And um, we are going to be looking at John 14 today, starting from verse 15 to 21. So, why don't you guys turn to that in your Bibles, or um, you can use your phones if you've not got a physical Bible with you today, um, guys? I'm preaching off. Printed paper today. And that's such a rarity at St. Thomas's. We're usually so swish with our iPads, but technology failed me this morning. And it feels weirdly official that I have like a script in front of me, but there we go. John 14, and we're starting at verse 15. So I'll read it to us now. If you love me, these are the words of Jesus, by the way, if you love me, keep my commands, and I will ask the Father and he will give you another advocate to help you and be with you forever, the spirit of truth. The world cannot accept him because it neither sees him nor knows him, but you know him for he lives with you and will be in you. I will not leave you as orphans, I will come to you. Before long, the world will not see me anymore, but you will see me because I live, you also will live. On that day, you will realize that I am in my Father, and you are in me, and I am in you. Whoever has my commands and keeps them is the one who loves me. The one who loves me will be loved by my Father, and I too will love them and show myself to them. This is the word of the Lord. <laughs> So we have been in a sermon series about faith, hope and love. It's based on 1 Corinthians 13. And now these three remain, faith, hope and love, but the greatest of these is love. So here we are, we have arrived at the greatest. We're gonna be learning about God's love for us today and also our loving response to that. Um, But just before we start, I want us to think a little bit about what we actually mean by love. Um, I think it's important to acknowledge that most of the experience of love that we have is actually with other human beings and our relationship with other human beings are by no means perfect. Um, You know Kennedy gave us an amazing story about her friendship with this woman Ruth um, who was so influential on her life but Friendships don't always work like like that. Our relationships with our parents aren't always simple. Our relationships with our children aren't always simple. And so the way that we view love can sometimes be a little bit skewed by our own experience, which can often be hurtful um, and sad. But actually, the love that we're learning about today is the love of God, which is love in its perfect and purest form. It's also worth noting that the English language is quite limited when we talk about love we just have the one word and we use it to describe everything from our feelings for our grandmother all the way to the way we felt about the cereal we had for breakfast this morning but actually in Greek they had lots of different words for love so they had a different word for romantic love for family love for friendship And then there's the word that's used here in verse 15, if you love me, which is agape love. And this is the word that's used to describe the way that God loves us and the way that we should love God. And unlike other types of love, this agape love is not primarily a feeling, but it's an action. So it's a selfless choice to prefer other people over yourself without expecting anything in return. So this type of love that Jesus is talking about is sacrificial, it means laying down your life and it's unconditional. It means you do that even if you're not gonna get anything back. And it's with this kind of love that Jesus went to the cross for us. And it's with this agape love that we are commanded to love our enemies and to love one another. And as I was preparing for this talk, um, God really was focusing me on the first four verses from what we've read today. And there are three things that I'm going to kind of draw on. The first one is um, loving Jesus and keeping his commands. The second is this amazing promise of the Holy Spirit, which we'll be hearing more about because we're going into uh, Pentecost very soon and also our adoption into the family of God. So firstly, as I've already said, the love that Jesus is talking about in verse 15 is agape love, this laying down love, this sacrificial love, this unconditional love. So let's have a look at verse 15. It says, if you love me, Keep my commands. So for those of you who don't know, I took a gap year before going to university in York. Um, And in that gap year, I uh, basically interned on the youth team at my local church. Um, And throughout that year, it was an amazing year. Um, Lots of us, there were a group of interns all around the age of 18 and lots of us were given amazing prophetic words across the year. Um, And I can remember people, my friends, Will was on the course with me. So that's my husband, Will. We did the sort of gap year together. People were given these epic prophetic words. Um, One that was spoken over Will was that as he's leading worship, the presence of God would come and people would just be instantly healed. Other people got prophetic words about planting churches, like these really, really amazing things. And I was waiting for, you know, what God had for me for the year. And the prophetic word that eventually came was about the law. So I was given Psalm 119, which if you don't know, is the longest Psalm in the Bible. It begins with, "'Blessed are those whose ways are blameless.'" who walk according to the law of the Lord. So it's 176 verses long and it is all about loving the law of God. And I'm not going to lie to you guys, I was 17 at the time, 17-year-old Mim was kind of disappointed because everyone else was having these prophecies about performing miracles and setting up churches and being amazing leaders and then my prophetic word was about just loving the law and uh, I think part of my negative response to that was because I associated law and commands with being sort of overly religious, um, not being anywhere near as exciting as Holy Spirit ministry and miracles um, and kind of being a bit boring really. But how wrong I was and I really do mean that as um, I have grown in my faith I have come to realise that the law of God, the commands of God are good. And if you guys have time across your week to read Psalm 119, I would really, really encourage you to because it is so powerful in the way that it talks about how good God is and how good his written word is for us. I've learned that God knows the best for each of us that his ways are perfect, and that his promises are yes and amen. Without God's rule and reign, without his written commands, humankind would just mess up in terrible, terrible ways. We think that with fewer rules and with fewer commands, we're more free. But actually, without the rule and reign of God, we are in chains We are enslaved, we are stumbling around, blind in the darkness. And it is only with the Word of God, the truth of God, that we can experience freedom and live life in its fullness. So here in verse 15, when Jesus tells his disciples to show their agape love for him by keeping his commands, he's essentially asking them and in turn asking us not to be hypocrites, but to put into action what we say and what we read about in the Bible and what we sing about in church on a Sunday, to actually fix our eyes on Jesus in the midst of our busyness, to love one another well, to love our friends outside of church well, to not get bogged down in the busyness of the world at university, at our jobs, but to have an eternal mindset that focuses on Jesus pressing on towards the goal, which is eternal life in heaven with him. To be generous with what we've been given, to give our time, to give our money towards the advancement of the kingdom of God. Jesus wants to see us trying to do these things for him. And it is by no means easy, but he wants us to try. It's about our faith. It's about our heart posture. It's about our attitude towards God. Yes, we will get it wrong. Yes, we will make mistakes. There is grace for us. There is forgiveness for us. But God is looking at our hearts. Just slightly later on in John, in John 15, uh, verse 13, Jesus says to his disciples, greater love has no one than this, to lay down one's life for one's friends. And this is what Jesus, our greatest friend, has done for us. He laid down his life, despite being entirely blameless and having lived a perfect life. He shouldered every single mistake you and I have ever made, however big, however small. And he paid the debt for those mistakes. He gave his life and he died to save us from eternal darkness from eternal pain and suffering and instead bring us into eternal light and goodness. And I'm praying today that we would each get a revelation of Jesus' love for us, a fresh revelation of what it means that Jesus went to the cross for us. This is what love is and church, this love is ours. We can claim it for ourselves because we our children of God. So I've already said that we mess up often. Earlier on this week, I was listening to a podcast which shared a really, really beautiful image that I feel really compelled to share with you guys today. So I think there are some of us in the room who might actually be feeling like we're in a season of just real messiness, that actually we're in a season of darkness. And that ask that Jesus has, if you love me, keep my commands, feels almost impossible because your response is, well, hang on a second, God, where even are you in my life right now? Where are you working in my life? I feel abandoned. I feel let down. I just feel like I'm living in darkness. And the image that I heard was one of a um, photo film being developed from a film camera. And being developed into a beautiful photograph and for those of you who's used, who've used a film camera before you'll know that you send the film off to a shop and it comes back as this beautiful photograph or maybe you are expert enough to be able to develop the photograph yourself, I certainly am not, um, but what happens is that photograph, that film gets put into a dark room and there's an expert in that room who crafts it into a beautiful photograph and it comes out of the darkness looking beautiful. And actually that is true for us as well. It says in Psalm 23 that even though we walk through the darkest valley, we won't be afraid because we know that God is with us. So God is with us in that dark room. God is with us in the darkness and we may not be able to see him, we may not be fully aware of it but we know that it is true and we can come out of the other side of that darkness beautiful. We see that in Isaiah 61, a crown of beauty instead of ashes and that is true for us today. So if that's you we'll have some time to pray for you later but I really really believe that God wants to encourage you today that he is with you. And not only is God with you, but we are with you. And I think one really important thing about this big ask of Jesus to love him well when we mess up all the time and to keep his commands when we mess up all the time is that actually we can help one another. You know, we really value small groups here at St Thomas's. We value our friendships within church and we can use those places to disciple one another, to walk with one another, to encourage one another, to actually stay on the right path. And if we are in that period of darkness, we ourselves feel blinded to what God is doing. But actually, it might be the insight, the support and the prayers of one of your church family who can help you see where God is working in your life. Guys, that's just the first verse, (laughs) but it's okay. The others are a little bit shorter. So The next thing that I want to think about is verse 16 to 17, this promise of the Holy Spirit. So yes, we know that God is with us. Yes, we have one another to help us, but Jesus also sends his spirit as our helper, says this in verse 16 and 17. And I will ask the Father and he will give you another advocate to help you and be with you forever. The Spirit of Truth. The world cannot accept him because it neither knows him nor sees him, but you know him for he lives with you and will be in you. So Jesus uses the language of another advocate here. The first advocate, by the way, is Jesus himself. So he came to die for us, to pay our debts. And then this second advocate is the Holy Spirit. So the Holy Spirit is the loving personal presence of God that comes to live with us on earth but also in us because we are temples of the Holy Spirit and because of that it enables us to experience the Trinitarian love of God, that relationship between the Father and the Son because the Holy Spirit is in us, we get to be part of it too. So, um, just slightly earlier on, I think we actually read this last week with Ben, but in verse 9 of of chapter 14, um, Jesus says to his disciples, specifically to Philip, well don't you know me even after I've been with you for such a long time? So there's this kind of moment of, to be honest, slight concern because these are the final words of Jesus. So tomorrow, Jesus is going to the cross to die. And he's been spent three years investing in these disciples, training them up to essentially take the gospel message and spread the message that Jesus has given them once he's gone. And yet, they still don't really know who he is and what he's about. They're still slightly clueless, as am I, by the way. But Jesus doesn't just leave them on their own, he sends the Holy Spirit. So, the point of the Holy Spirit is to help us to understand who Jesus really is. The first advocate is um, speaking to God for you. So, Jesus comes and he says, Look, Father, I have paid their debts. Now, accept them in me. The second advocate, the Holy Spirit, speaks to you for you. So, the Holy Spirit is here to speak to you internally, to remind you and to teach you of the ways of Jesus. And uh, the Gospel goes on to talk about that um, just a few verses after what we've read today. To teach us, to remind us are the words that Jesus uses. That's in verse 26, by the way. So the Holy Spirit comes and it's not just to inspire to um, enable miracles, to energise us. But actually the Holy Spirit is here to remind us and to teach us this life-changing, transformative truth. So Tim Keller describes the voice of the Holy Spirit like this. This is in Encounters with Jesus. He's got a fantastic chapter all about the Holy Spirit as an advocate, by the way. Um, So he describes the voice of the Holy Spirit like this. He says, in effect, you are a sinner. Are you living with the humility and dependence on God that results from that fact? Yet you are also righteous in Christ, adopted and accepted into the family. Are you living with the boldness and freedom that should accord with that fact? Are you as free From the need for worldly power and approval and comfort, as you should be. So, Jesus has sent his Holy Spirit to help us do verse 15, to help us keep the commands of God, to keep us on the right path, because the Holy Spirit is constantly reminding us of who we are. That yes, we are sinners, yes, we make mistakes, but also we are children of God, we are co heirs with Christ. So, actually, I just want to pause for a moment and just let the Holy Spirit move in our hearts. I want to give us a little bit of space to listen to what God is saying to us and I'm going to read those words from Tim Keller again and as I read them I just want you to listen and see if the Holy Spirit is teaching you or reminding you of anything this morning. And can I ask if you're comfortable, to put your hands out as I read this. That's just a posture before God to say that you are ready, that you are open, that you are listening. And when I read these words, I'm speaking it over myself as well. You are a sinner. Are you living with the humility and dependence on God that results From that fact. Yet you are also righteous in Christ, adopted and accepted into the family. Are you living with the boldness and freedom that should accord with that fact? Are you as free from the need for worldly power? for approval, and for worldly comfort, as you should be. Just to share with you as well, um, for me personally, it's that first part that I really feel convicted by through the Holy Spirit. And as I was preparing this, and even today, um, it's what I'm going to go for prayer ministry for at the, end of the, at the end of the sermon. I have realized this is like a confession, which is ironic that during confession on Sundays, which we do regularly here at St. Thomas's, quite often, this is feel slightly ashamed by this, but hey, there's no shame or condemnation in Christ Jesus. Quite often, I'll sit there and think, um, yeah, I'm doing all right, actually. And I kind of think, well, I've not murdered anyone. So, you know, and I kind of feel like I've had an all right week. And actually, <laughs> that is not living with humility. And that is not living with dependence on God. And that is not how I want to live my life as a disciple of Jesus, I cannot do this on my own and I need God and I need the forgiveness of God daily, hourly, every minute of my life. So that's what I am going to be praying for later, for this humility, for the Holy Spirit to teach me and remind me every day that I I need God, that I need to be dependent on God. So the last thing that I want to think about today is Uh, verse 18, I will not leave you as orphans I will come to you. Now in biblical culture orphans were some of the most vulnerable people in society. Um, The Greek word is derived from a root term meaning alone or deprived or without comfort. So Jesus knew that he was going to the cross tomorrow and he knew that then he would ascend to heaven and he knew that his disciples would feel kind of anxious and actually a little bit abandoned because Jesus wouldn't be physically by their side anymore. But through dying and then rising to life and then ascending, Jesus has secured his disciples and our heavenly destiny with the Father for all eternity. So our identity is not to be alone like orphans because we're part of the family of God. And our identity is not to be vulnerable like orphans because we are on the victorious side. Jesus has the victory over sin and death and darkness. Now, we've been talking about this promise that Jesus is gonna send his Holy Spirit to us. In Romans 8, it says that the Holy Spirit, this is one of the truths that the Holy Spirit teaches and reminds us of, the Holy Spirit testifies himself with our spirit that we are God's children. So Jesus promises in this chapter of John that the Holy Spirit will live with us on earth and be in us and because the Holy Spirit is in us, these promises that Paul writes about in Romans 8 are true for us too. We are led by the Spirit of God and therefore we are children of God. The Spirit that we receive does not make us slaves living in fear, but the Spirit brings about our adoption to sonship into the family of God. By this Holy Spirit, we get to cry, Abba, Father. That means Daddy, God. We get invited into a personal relationship with the perfect Father. The Spirit testifies with our spirit that we are children of God. It testifies to our inner selves, our identity as children of God. We are wanted, we're accepted, we are actively agape loved by the Father. And if we're children, well, that means that we are heirs. We are heirs of the Kingdom of God and co-heirs with Christ. So we will share in the sufferings of Jesus, the sacrifice of Jesus, and the glory of Jesus. We are adopted. So we're going to spend some time now uh, responding, listening to the Holy Spirit more. Just because I'm chatting away doesn't mean that the Holy Spirit isn't still here and still speaking to you. So I'd like to invite the bands to come back up. And actually what I'd really like to allow room for first is for some of our parents in the room to just have a bit of space to respond and to receive prayer ministry before you have to go and collect your children. Um, For those of you who know me, I've recently become a mum. Jeremiah is going to be one next Saturday, so in just under a week. And uh, it's really hard actually on a Sunday in the busyness of everything you have to do to find time to just be prayed for by, by people around you to receive prayer ministry. So parents, before you go and get your children, I really, really want you to be able to receive prayer ministry now. And there will be time for everybody else to respond later too. Um, And there are a few areas that I think God has been speaking about that he'd like us to respond to. The first we have already heard about, Adam and Nick were sharing about this sense of shame that God wants to break off us. So if that is you, please do come and receive prayer. But also, and this is me, people in the room struggling with that first verse, if you love me, keep my commands. And just needing the Holy Spirit to actually teach us and remind us how to live with humility and dependence on God to be able to do that well. Some of us are in that period of darkness that I talked about in the dark room And we need to know the presence of God with us. We read about it in the Bible that God is with us in the darkness in Psalm 23, but knowing it in your head and really knowing it in your heart are two different things. And the Holy Spirit can help us with that. So we want to be able to pray for you if you feel like you're in darkness, that you would know the presence of God with you. And then the fourth thing is some of us in the room need the Holy Spirit to teach us and remind us that we are children of God, that we are loved by the Father, that his arms are wide open, that he sees us as worthy, he sees us as valuable, he sees us as his favourite children, and that he accepts us as we are. So, Those are the four areas, there may be more. Um, And also if you feel like you want to get prayer for something that hasn't been mentioned at the front, that's absolutely fine. But how I'd like us to start prayer ministry today is if you are a parent in the room and you know you're going to have to go at some point to collect your children and you want to receive prayer for one of these things or for something else, please would you just stand where you are and we're going to spend some time praying for you with the people around you. I, by the way, I'm already standing, but if anyone wants to come pray for me, I'm including myself in this as well. Also worth noting, I know that there are loads of parents in the crush, and that you are listening to me through a TV screen. This is for you as well. And I would encourage you guys, while you're feeding the kids lunch, Um, to be praying for each other. So if you're near anyone who is standing up right now, who wants to receive prayer, um, I just ask you to lay your hands on them. You can speak to them and ask them what it is that they want prayer for. And we're just going to spend a few minutes uh, praying for these people.